What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. I hope you guys woke up stoked about hitting this week in the mouth. There's a lot of opportunity out there, baby. It's a very exciting time. A lot happening in the world. I know it's crazy out there, but just keep breathing. We're going to get through this thing together. I promise you that. Just hang tough. So, today's episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast is Deconstructing Social Media Part 3. Once again, I'm joined by my brother, Augustus Britton. Um, this, I believe this is the final part of this series. Who knows, down the line we may revisit this topic because social media and the effect it's had on our psychology, our emotions, our spirituality, I think is very profound and worth exploring. So I'm sure we'll come back to this topic. For But for the time being, this is our final part of this series, Deconstructing Social Media, Part 3. Um, this one is not so clear-cut. Uh, in Episode 1, we really established the timeline of which um, all of this uh, technology and this this digital realm has emerged. We gave that the chronological history. If you haven't heard that episode, I suggest you go back and start there before listening to this episode, Deconstructing Social Media Part 1. It's fascinating. I was blown away by how fast we got to this point from basically the first iPhone coming about in 2007. Instagram hit the the wire 2010 and here we are now and Jesus Christ it is it has gone far beyond I think any of our possible imagination of what this thing is and what it can be in our lives. It's drastically affected our behavior, how we relate to one another, how we get our information. Um, and it's worth a conversation. Uh, episode two, we really explored this, uh, the, the narcissist tale and what this thing has done to our ego and selfies and sort of the nature of the use of social media. This episode, Gus and I really tapped into the psychology and how social media we believe has begun to warp our perceptions of everything from politics to health and well-being to how we're supposed to relate to one another and so on. Um, You know, there's so much happening in the world between coronavirus, all the racial injustice we're seeing uh, every single day and the obviously the election coming up in November um, lot, it's very weird. Not only that, there's a lot of underground shit happening. A lot of sex trafficking, child sex trafficking is being, uh, uprooted and children are being rescued. And it's, a, there's a lot of really incredible things happening in the world right now. Um, our government has acknowledged the existence of extraterrestrial aircraft not made on this planet fascinating stuff. It's an incredible time to be alive. Uh, So that being said, this episode is a bit of a meandering jaunt through the maze of confusion 
that we know as social media. Um, I think you guys will really get a lot out of it. It's a lot of fun. We have fun. We get pretty fired up in this episode, um, as we should. So that being said, before I send you off, remember our partner, my favorite coffee on the planet, Invader Coffee. Guys, if you're a coffee drinker, if you're not a coffee drinker and you'd like to try some, this is the stuff to try. It's organic. It's low acidity. It is fantastic tasting. He's got a number of different roasts. That's my dude, Wes Whitlock. It is veteran owned, so you're supporting great cause. This guy is a complete badass, a real true life badass, and uh, we've become buddies. So I greatly appreciate his support with everything I do. And uh, Invader Coffee, y'all. Head over to invadercoffee.com. Use discount code the Ebb and Flow for 15% off your next order. Uh, that's about it. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and have an excellent Monday. Lots of love to you as you start this week. And off to the show. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a hot and fresh episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast. You know what's up. I'm your man, Eben Britton. Joined again by my brother, the great and powerful Augustus Britton. Gus, welcome to the show. Hello. It's good to be here. Hello, everybody. Eb. We're back in the saddle. Back in the sad. Uh, so today's episode is going to be a meandering on deconstructing social media part three, the finale. Yep. I don't know how much more we could dissect this thing. But Netflix, if you're listening, we are available to turn this into a docu series. I love that. Send the contract. Well, I had a good conversation with this we'll dude, Sebastian, about finding distribution for your shit, for your work, for uh-huh. your film. He's he's working on finding distribution for this film he just directed and produced and wrote. Right. And uh, he he made an interesting comment. He was like, you know, the first thing out of any everybody's mouth when they create some new piece of content is, oh, I want to get on Netflix. But Netflix has so many shows, it's so saturated yeah, yeah. that right. if it's not marketed properly, it'll just get lost. Yeah, no one that, will maybe. ever see it. So what do we say now? HBO, if you're listening. Well, HBO always has good content, but I think beyond that, it's just about finding... He, he was, his, 
his parting thoughts on it were you want to find the right distributor who has a passion for the project who's gonna give it the love and the attention that it deserves that you want it to right right that you've given it you know copacetic is copacetic is that the right word copacetic ears if you're listening copacetic what's that aligned i think that means aligned in alignment well that's how you know that's the thing with like publishing books so if anybody wants to publish a book it's a good idea to find books that you think your book is maybe similar to and Mm. see who the publisher is yeah and then approach them. I think that's I mean, great it advice. Seems kind of obvious, but if you write a mystery novel, you don't approach somebody that publishes sports biographies. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody kind of has their lane of for sure. passion. For sure. Um who did you approach about publishing How to Kill a White Man? Well, that I did myself. That but was now self-published. but now with Marfa, my new my f- debut novel I'm I'm in the process with this agent now, but I imagine it'll be some kind of travel write travel writing centric publisher. Maybe Knopf. Knopf? Yeah, that that could be good. Also I thought that uh that company that published um Tribe was interesting. Twelve. Mm. They do twelve books a year. Oh, that's cool. They I got, haven't looked into that. Yeah, they probably got to be pretty heavy-hitting books. I don't know if Marfa would fit into that, but yeah, I mean, there's you just you find never know, dude. It's about people believing in. That's in it. it. Yeah, that's what that's what this new age of information and misinformation is all about. It's about aligning yourself with the like-minded peeps. Yeah, you know. Exactly. I think in any, no matter what, if you're an artist or a business person or whatever it is you're into, yeah, you you gravitate towards your your tribe, right? You gravitate towards the people who are like-minded and and um, swirling in similar circles. Yeah, you know, I was listening. I've been getting somehow into psychology a lot more lately i mean we we talk about psychology in so many different ways but i feel like it's just so prevalent and i was listening to this podcast today with this guy that uh he i don't know this harvard chicago also chicago uh i think he runs like the jung institute in san francisco Mm. but briefly he was talking about how freud was freud's things were kind of imposing a psychological structure on people that was two things Oedipus complex based and we were all sexually driven Uh and Freud and Jung were contemporaries but then Jung broke off with Freud because Jung said no wait we're way more complex than that it's way more the 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 inherently when we talk about psycho psychology, everybody has a different psychological landscape, if uh-huh. you will. Yeah. So that that was kind of how Jung got away from Freud and then started dealing with like unconscious and I mean it's so vast, I'm still learning about That's a lot of super it. Super interesting, dude. But to you your to your these... point of everybody kind of has different Well, you know, all there there are a handful of Freudian disciples 
uh-huh. who broke off into advertising and marketing. Mm, that makes sense. And when you think about that and how and their knowledge of human consciousness and and in that vein this this imposition of we're all sexually driven via our Oedipus complex. Mm-hmm. Look at our society, dude. Look at how weird and twisted up our sexuality is mm. as a society. Right. It's like it's this hypersexualized repression. Yeah. You know, because you yeah, can't. It's so odd. You can't go anywhere without seeing a billboard of a chick in a bikini or a dude or, or a dude with six pack abs oiled up with his shirt off. Uh, to advertise a fucking everything from alcohol to cars or yeah. the famous work boot warehouse in LA, which is always some scantily clad girl with Timberland hawking <laughs> Tim's. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting because we have this weird uh, Puritan background backdrop in America where it's, it's unsavory to have a sexuality or to be lustful and yet here we are and every fucking bit of advertising is geared around it's so odd this hypersexualization of women in particular you know it's so fucking strange not to mention that po- politicians have to be these stiff suited asexual things it's like god forbid you have like a tie with flowers on it or something right you know it's like it's like carbon copies memes as i mean back to the social media thing it's just become a meme on top of a meme of the same representation which i know i get fucking i might get lambasted for this but it's why Kanye is kind of interesting to me. I'm not saying elect him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in terms of... Why not? But I'm saying in terms of breaking up the loop of mimetic, you know, whatever we've, we've created, you have somebody that's different now, which I feel like Trump kind of ushered in. He ushered in because Trump, to me was an outsider. He was outside the normal political system. He wasn't born in it. He hasn't been in it for decades. So he came in kind of threw some TNT into the system. Yeah. And what I mean about Kanye is that you have like the po- just the possibility of an artist being a politician. Yeah. It's so transcendent. Yeah. Well, our political, this, this whole, you know, uh, our whole, our entire political landscape, it's so archaic mm. at this stage. Mm-hmm. It's so ridiculous to me, this idea of having a single person at the helm of an entire country. It's actually ludicrous when you think about it, because in a place, in a country that has 300 plus million people from every imaginable level of society, class, race, religion, uh, 
ideological background, cultural upbringing. There's so many different ideas to think that two parties can capture the needs and desires of an entire country is absurd. It's fucking absurd. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm totally at a loss of where we're going. I, I see this thing. It's almost laughable. Everyone's like, get out and vote. And it's like, what are we voting for? What are we voting for? Because to me, the only thing I can tell we're voting for is uh, the the likes and dislikes of the corporations who have purchased our political parties, the two political parties that run this country, apparently, the Democrats and the Republicans. And they're all funded by billionaire interests and corporations. Mm-hmm. And it's too, it's been completely compromised to such an extent that, you know, when people are talking about, you know, we got to get out and vote, what are you voting for? Do you think about that? Do you think about what you're voting for? Is is your vote based solely on emotional, an emotional chasm in yourself of we have to get Trump out or, you know, we have to do better or whatever it is. What do you think about that, dude? Well, well, I want to go back to something you said about you said something to the effect of the diversity of America. You know, I don't know who I was talking to. I feel like I'm talking to all these people and they're sort of conglomerating into one. (laughs) I just think it's you I'm talking to. But somebody said to me the other day, um, you know, people say this a lot. Like, why can't we be Sweden? Like, we, we, you know, Sweden seems perfect. And it's like, America is unlike any other country in the world. Sweden is full of Swedish people. Japan is full of Japanese people. Norway, Russia is Russian people. I mean, of course, there's there they have yeah. some diversity, but America is the melting pot. It's the place where we have this divergence of South Americans, you know, Europeans, Europeans, Canadians, Africans. I mean, and then you have different immigrant people immigrating from all over the world. Chinese people. I mean, so it's like the American thing is something totally different than any other place. Yeah. So it should be harder. It's going to be harder to, to manage that. So that's one thing. But also, I think what people are saying or saying when they say vote is. You know, you you don't hear the concern. This isn't like that's not a it's funny to think about this because it's never a conservative saying that (laughs) it's only the liberal blue saying go make sure you go out and vote, which is actually kind of interesting to think about. So really, when you hear that, it's coming from a liberal saying vote for the Democratic Party. Yeah. So what I think they're saying is when they say that is vote for more, um, vote for a more just society. But is that is that really what we're getting when I we f- get a Democrat in office? Are we getting a more 
just society? I think we're realizing, I think it's starting to become more apparent that it doesn't really matter if we vote for Democrats or Republicans. I mean, I think the thing to that will be uh, more will be revealed. But if you if we get uh, Biden and Kamala in is police brutality going to stop? Is that the is when when they get this better fucking stop if they're elected because that's the biggest issue on our plate right now, it seems in the in the cultural unconscious or the cultural conscious that that's what needs to stop as to why we're voting. So, Mm. you know, so that better stop. There better be no more. And then what happens if there's more? So then what do we do? Yeah, see, this is all this is also it, it brings us into this this deconstruction of social media because there's a there's a handful of really problematic issues that are coagulating to create this maze of confusion. First of all, mainstream media is no longer objective. So no matter what version you're looking at, whether it's CNN or Fox News or fucking NBC or ABC or even NPR, unfortunately, nothing's objective. So we're never seeing a complete picture of any story that's happening. So that, whereas... Maybe 20 years ago, but probably even before, it, it's probably been going on longer than that, where you could actually read the news or watch the news and get just a baseline, for better or worse, a baseline fundamental understanding of what's happening right now. Where are we at? Where's the solid ground? We don't have that anymore. Because everything is politicized and corporatized and it's structured in a way that you only get a very small perspective of what happened, you know, so you're not seeing the bigger picture. You, you never get a full view of what's actually happening. So through social media and, and where we're at now. And I had this fucking, this unbelievable talk with uh, this guy, Dr. Ted Achacoso. I'm not sure if that episode will come out before this or after, but his thing is that his whole purpose, he's a physician. Uh, he runs a, a holistic medical practice between uh, the Philippines and the U.S. He's highly intelligent. He's a beautiful mixture of spirituality and science, which is my you know my favorite cross section especially when he goes into eastern philosophy and where that meets neuroscience so he had a great perspective on everything and he said the biggest issue right now is that we're so caught up in our ego we are so caught up in our identity as individuals that we take everything very personally mm-hmm And we are attached to our beliefs and our thoughts and this righteousness of being correct and being on the side of truth all the time. 
and the truth and the the reality is no one is on a side of truth because we're all getting this very myopic information and who knows what even the real information is for instance coronavirus where are we at with coronavirus god I'd love to know. Can we because can we get a can we get a fucking government fucking uh we need a check third in party. here because I have no fucking clue what's going on with this. It's beyond, you know, you watch I, I don't watch the news because I can't I I've crossed through this threshold where I just can't trust anything that I see coming from a mainstream media mouth. Mhm. The mainstream media which ha- would have you believe the world is on fire. You step outside and the world is not on fire. The world is happening just as it's always happened. Maybe a little different looking. Maybe there's a little bit more intensity and uh, desperation in the air, which is natural because we're going through a massive collective evolution as a species. But that being said, when you see information like hospitals are incentivized monetarily to say that they have COVID patients. They have COVID positive patients. So that means basically anyone who comes into a hospital, if they exhibit any symptom, they're getting labeled as a coronavirus patient. That's a problem. That's a major problem. But what? So what good does that do us in the grand scheme of when we're trying to quote, deal with this quote unquote pandemic and we're trying to see how safe we are and you've instilled this this environment, this atmosphere of fear and that we should all be socially distanced and our children are being sent to school in fucking masks and visors and their partitions being set up between them and they can't play and connect and do all of these things. What are we doing? We're doing that based on politicized information that has nothing to do with the reality. And it's fucking, it's a, it's a fucking monster issue. And then we're fighting with each other about whether or not we should even be wearing a fucking mask. You know what we should be fighting about? We should be fighting about who our politicians are. Who are we putting into office who's coming in there and making rules and making decisions based on the welfare of humanity and the people of this fucking country and this planet? Well, that's what we need to be worried about. Well, people would say to you, Biden is the golden boy and we have Kamala backing him up. So that's who we're supposed to be putting in. Well, then I would say, how about the fact that Kamala Harris has one of the worst reputations as a district attorney to the point where she was throwing parents in jail when their kids weren't going to school. And Biden also, I mean, not, to, Biden, not to mention Biden created policies with Clinton that that created fucking, you the know. The crime bill, the three strike rule, where yeah. hundreds of thousands of African-American men and women are thrown into prison for life sentences. For having a fucking joint. For having a joint. Yeah, the, These are the people who are going to rectify our our police force and law enforcement in this country. These are the people. Hey man, my, my issue with that is Biden had two terms with Obama. Why was none of this? Why was none of this implemented then? But back to social media, social media wasn't as prevalent as it was. I think social media 
in terms of the politicized media climate that you're talking about, how you can't trust it, uh, social media kind of broke ground of everybody has a voice and everybody is their kind of own independent news source. So, you know, you can get the information, but it's interesting now. I feel like the independent news sources... Uh, I e what is that? I e individuals is politicized. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I actually I went online because I, I I I typed in. I said, "What is an objective news source?" Uh huh. And it it comes up with all these articles, Forbes and of course yeah, Forbes right. and Forbes, all these. Okay. And they're like, we for, pulled. For, meanwhile, le, Forbes came out with an article that's the headline was don't do your own research. Is that who is the psychopath editor and writer that thought that was a good idea? Please call in the doughy little, little pencil. Pusher. Please call in. Because is that what we should tell our young people? Don't do your own research. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't strive for greatness. Don't seek out truth. Don't in your read. Life. Don't, don't read anything. Don't read books. Don't be inquisitive. Is that is that that's where we want to go? I guess that's what Forbes wants. So immediately, my question. I realize the absurdity of my question because <laughs> there is no objective news source, dude. There's no objective fucking news source. Which brings us back to social media. When you look at social media and based on who you follow, you're going to get a very a very biased thread of information. Mhm. And well, all I get is fucking workout <laughs> workout videos and eighteen-year-olds doing these weird fucking dances. I'm so TikTok confused at what Instagram thinks my algorithm should be. <laughs> I'm just like, what? What is going on here with this thing? Oh my god, it's so insane, dude. What a strange time. Hey, I want to say Tucker Carlson. It's funny because he's he's been around for a minute now. I remember when we were young, he used to be on and our uncles used to like make fun of him. Yeah. And like, I don't fucker know. Fucker Carlson. Yeah, fucker Carlson. That's what they uh, that's what they called him. That's what they called him. But now he actually has the highest rated show on TV. Oh, his does his he talk really? show, it's been claimed to be the highest rated show on news show on television. And, you know, on YouTube, he'll have segments like like all these shows have segments. And I'm noticing that. And he's on Fox, of course. And I'm noticing that even. The Fox places are not vibing with all Republicans now, mm. and they're not vibing with all Democrats. I mean, they never really vibe. It was more of a Republican station, which I think brings me back to what was the catalyst for all this kind of politically driven uh news dissent i think it was like roger ailes who created fox as a more conservative network uh -huh. and that kind of set this whole thing in motion 
But Tucker Carlson, I felt, I feel like has become kind of interesting because, like, he was. I, I just watched the segment. He was calling out a bunch of Republican senators for mm-hmm. not doing certain things. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I don't really have the specifics, but like, just like, it's interesting how COVID is this thing to control us, but it's actually created so much more independent thinking of like, wait, what's going on here? How do I actually feel about this? Yeah. Well, it's it's part of this, quote unquote, call it the great awakening. Dude. Mm-hmm. You know, people are being forced to look at their beliefs. People are being forced to look at what they're watching and consuming because none of it really makes any sense none of it makes sense you know we're getting such small snippets of information and many people's beliefs are built around literally 30 30 to 60 second clips that they see on social media and they're literally driven into a, a mouth-watering frenzy that they would fight and kill for over a video that was 30 to 60 seconds long. Yeah. Where you saw no before, no after. You have no idea who the people involved are. You have no idea what's going on, what the circumstances were, etc. And it's a very, it, it creates a very, so so. Get, getting back to this thing of getting out of our ego, what happens when we all just put our fucking swords down? When we put our fucking swords down and you just take a moment to sit across from a person and listen to what they're saying and just receive the information, whether you agree with it or disagree, because that's okay, that's, kind of, that's part of the process and always has been. Well, I mean, I, I tribe is fresh in my mind because I like read it this week. Yeah. I finished it. Younger talks about that a lot. He says when America is not at war with another country, it goes to war with itself. Mm, that's interesting. It's just like this cannibalistic culture, and um, it becomes this individualized fucking thing. Where were these individuals and there's no tribe? And I'm also reading this Bertrand Russell book about. And I read this chapter today about the good life uh, as an individual or socially. And again, he was like, if you're trying to live the good life individually, it doesn't work. Mm, Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the the challenge when your ego meets your philosophy of I can't listen to you. Mm -hmm. You don't have the same philosophy as me, so my ego is now stoked, so I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not even going to hear what you have to say if I and and then make a decision. I don't even want to hear you. Mm. And you better do what I say. Otherwise, there's going to be a problem. (sighs) Isn't it so exhausting? Should we even bother? I mean, we're on the path to enlightenment. Should we even bother talking about this? (laughs) 
No, I don't know. No, well, should we even be getting riled up? Like, I mean, I guess it's an energy to put forth. Well, we're here. We're just making sense of it. We're making sense of it, you know. And so then we can move. Well, we're lightening the you, load, as you say. Yeah, exactly. As man. you said, enlightenment. Yeah, give give that to the audience. I don't know if Ted talked about that. Or yeah, he did. About I that. think he talked about it on the podcast. So, Doctor Ted, he said at the end of the pod, he said. Everyone has this idea that enlightenment is about adding something, when in fact it's about subtracting something. It literally means to enlighten yourself, to lighten the burden, lighten the load. So it's about enlightenment is about what you let go of. And are you willing to let go of all of your beliefs and your righteousness about what you think is true and what you think really matters? Because at the end of the day, dude, literally, 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 the only thing that matters is that we take care of each other. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't even matter. Nothing matters. Yeah. And you think that these fucking politicians give a fuck about you? I don't know. <laughs> That's not going to happen. That's what I'm saying. That's just false. Everyone says Sorry. vote. Everyone says get out and vote. What if no one voted? That would be profound. What if not one fucking person voted? Yeah. It'd be interesting. What would happen? What would happen? If no one voted, what would happen? The no, whole fucking no thing would collapse. Be weird, right? What if no one voted? Be odd. And then you had like six people vote. Basically, like you had for you had each campaign party just voting for themselves. Be weird. What would happen though, dude? Because I, I, what I we really no, need I have to no be, idea. What would the government do? I have the, no idea. To me, the only the only. The only system of government that makes sense in my head is if you take the deepest, most profound, most compassionate, most forward-thinking minds and you put together a council of leadership. That's the only thing that makes sense in my head. But that's what we think we have right now. I don't know how we think we have that. I, I don't know. You're you're fucking delusional if you think you have that right now. I think that's... If you're looking... If you watch one fucking thing that either Trump or Biden says... Biden, he can't even put a sentence together. Trump, it seems like every other word, he's he's putting his foot in his mouth. So it's like either one of them i don't know how you can watch either one speak and go oh well yeah yeah i guess this is just the plan i i have to vote for one of these guys and like you said earlier gus i've got to find the lesser of the two evils what kind of system is that it's horrible what kind of option is that it's not an option as an american we've been lulled into this state of acceptance you know what our forefathers did man the guys who came to this country and set this motherfucker up, these guys were fucking some of the hardest motherfuckers this planet have ever seen. Yeah. Willing to literally die to establish a new country. Mm. 
pretty fucking profound. It's Ready, like, and and uh, beyond whatever you want to say, there were slave owners. I've heard also now. I, I've heard all this shit like America was a a thirty third degree Mason operation. I'm just like, dude, whatever, man. Like, if we go down the rabbit hole of nothing is real and nothing is true, your mother is an a is an artificial intelligence robot program to make you think that you're loved and have a purpose in this life if that's where we're gonna go if every aspect of our fucking history is revised with but it had this dark underling thing to make us all put us all under a spell and control everyone and enslave the entire population fine fine you want to do that that's great but there's also a truth to it all there's also the human element of what people did and what people stood for. And the fucking United States Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, is laced with spiritual truths. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We take that so for granted, dude. I saw this thing, George Carlin. George Carlin was... Yeah, he was unreal. He was a sage, man. Yeah, he unreal. was so far beyond a comedian. Uh-huh. And he's talking about how Americans are so willing to give up their liberty and their freedom for just a little speck of security and comfort. But we, we'll, we'll fucking give it all up, man. And I feel like that's really the issue with the Democrats yeah. and the left in particular is they will give up their firstborn child for some promise of safety and comfort. Which is why my respect for the right has shifted, because there's, there's a value of liberty and freedom in their ideology, in the right's ideology, that is not present in the left. Yeah. The left is waiting for to mom be and dad... To come home and take care of them and give them dinner. It's paternalistic. It's paternalistic at root. If you watch that, if you watch that, that's what I was coming to. If you watch this Cornell West, Cornell West interviewed by Charlie Rose, he talks about the liberal party being, you know, just, hey, we just want a little piece of the pie just (laughs) as long as we're okay, quote unquote, okay. You know, as long as the government just takes care of us, as opposed to living with a sense of the the good side of individuality, like where you're allowed to have a certain power seat in society, as opposed to, yeah, more of an agency. And um, political correctness does not mean spiritual correctness, Mm. guys and and girls and ladies and gentlemen. Just because you're going along with the thing that you believe is PC, meanwhile denying your inner truth, that is not spiritual correctness. Now, take your pick. I guess you get to choose. Do I want to be PC and just be safe and just hope nobody sends any slings and arrows my way and just sacrifice what I really believe? Or do I want to actually feel 
and have some and move towards spiritual realization. Am I, do you feel that at all? Uh-huh. PC is not SC. Oh, very much. Yeah, totally, dude. Political correctness is a it's a it's a fear mongering tool to inhibit the individual from expressing their truth for fear of being exiled and ostracized, which in tribe, mm-hmm. this is an ancient, I, I shared about this in an Instagram post and in this, this piece I just wrote on my website that you guys can check out called Evolution of the Mind. Where did I, I read that, right? I think so. I don't know if you read the latest version. I did some tweaks after mm-hmm. I shared it with you, but... Um, Fuck, what was I saying? About PCSC. PC, spiritual correctness. Um, About tribe. Oh, yeah. Our system is built to divide us. The media, politics, medicine. It's built to create enemies within. Yep. So your neighbor, you don't feel safe because if your neighbor doesn't believe what you believe or if you don't believe what your neighbor believes, then you're going to have a real problem, you know. And so all of these these mechanisms that have been weaponized, these ancient neuro neurological mechanisms of our brain, this tribal because we are such tribal creatures, the thought of being exiled or banished, that means death. Uh huh. We're going to die if we get sent out into the jungle right. by ourselves. Right. So that's, that is preyed upon in this day and age. If you don't go along with the grand narrative of the collective, then you will be exiled. You will be banished. Mm-hmm. But that's all, that's, all a, that's all a facade. Fear. False evidence appearing real. This idea, because in today's society, what is that? Because I guarantee you, your next door neighbor might not believe the same thing, but you might walk a block down the street and you'll find someone who believes exactly what you believe. Yeah. So it goes back to that thing of you gravitate towards your tribe. Well, not to mention the the fundamental problem in our system, in the system that runs this country, it's based on division. Uh-huh. We have different parties, yes. particularly two different parties. So there's division, divisiveness built in. It doesn't make any fucking sense in terms of how to create a holistic, loving, peaceful, communicative helpful giving compassionate society Mm. i mean we have red and we have the red in the blue team i mean it makes no (laughs) sense in terms of trying to unite listen i think before anything we should fucking banish that yeah i think there should be i mean that's what i'm saying create a council of the highest thinkers in the world or in the country get the get the smartest the most compassionate, the most connected, the most down-to-earth people that live in this country, maybe even from every different region, and you create a council of leadership 
that can vote on and can put forth actual rules, legislation, make decisions based on the welfare of the human beings that inhabit this country. How do we find those people? Well, no, I'm curious. I mean, what would be the criteria to find those people? Dude, I, I bet there are community leaders right now. Artists, preachers, ministers, like people from the religious realm, people from the arts, people from uh, law enforcement, people from um, sports communities. Like you take someone from each group. I think, dude, if we came together, see, that's another part of this thing that I, that I, I've been thinking about lately. We've been convinced that we are incapable of taking control of this country and taking control of our lives. We've been convinced. Yeah. We've been convinced that we don't want that job. We've been convinced that it's way over our heads, that we're not smart enough, that we're not capable enough, etc. Right. But if a group of people, if the shit came down and we had to establish a country right now, I guarantee you, People would emerge. The leaders would emerge. Oh, yeah. Who could take control and say, this is what we're doing. Right. This benefits the greatest good. Absolutely. He talks about that in Tribe. Yeah. He talks about how he he lists off certain disasters like earthquakes and wars and, you know, environmental disasters where immediately people kicked into gear and created a system to help each other out. And then he said, as soon as the... Disaster was taken care of and things went back to, um, you know, what was was normal. It all went away again, which is interesting. Um, Well, it's interesting. Isn't it fascinating? Because you would think that the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. this whole this global disaster that we've all faced would have brought us together more than it has. But it's really been a it's been because of the marketing around it and because of the advertising campaigns that billionaires have set forth it's become a massive moment of division once again but i would say what's going to supersede all of that is when we all come to the conclusion that we the people are in this thing together and the ones that we need to be resisting are the fucking billionaires and the politicians who think they know what's for the greater good quote unquote of all of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, man, I think that I'm, I'm most passionate about diffusing ignorance. Like I get heated on this. I'm getting heated talking about this stuff because it upsets me. The, the inability to approach these topics or the inability to have real conversations about what's really happening. It's frustrating. But I think there's a lot of light out there, man. I see a lot of good things. I see a lot of people working really hard to come together. You know, I think that this is all. I think that we are collectively getting to exactly where we need to go oh absolutely we're totally on the cosmic path you know 
It's ugly. It feels like shit at times. It's fucking nasty. It's hard. It hurts. It's painful. There's moments of joy and and incredible realizations about our humanity and who we are and what we can do together. Dude, the the previous thing wasn't working. Whatever yeah. spin we were in wasn't working. Yeah. It wasn't allowing us to grow. Cosmos, God, higher power, whatever you want to call it, the ocean, it, the trees, it was saying, all right, guys, you know, you did the Andy Griffith show enough. We got to, we got to switch this up (laughs) and, you know, we, we need some bigger realization. So I think you're right. I think we're exactly where we need to be. This is all, this is all right on time. It's right on time. And, you know, who knows what the outcome will be? If it's a certain amount of bloodshed, if it isn't bloodshed. I mean, there's bloodshed happening around the world as we speak in different places. I mean, it's hard to talk about. You don't want to go there. Um, But. Well, I keep getting this thing that's this this life. The war is on, and it's all psychological war. It's psychological warfare that's happening right now. And spiritual yeah, spiritual warfare. war, yeah. It's a war on the mind and, and the, the spirit. human spirit. Yeah, it is. I think it's important to say what you say what you feel. Say what you need to say. Don't just say the political script. That doesn't work for you. <laughs> You don't need to say the political script. It doesn't work for anybody. You don't need to say all cops are criminals. You don't need to say this or that person is a racist. You don't need to say, say, say how you feel. Yeah. Don't follow the CNN script. Don't follow the Fox or the MSNBC script. Yes. Observe. I think observing is a, is a, is a major thing right now that covid has just well that's the that's the tool by which we will transcend our ego observance observing our thoughts recognizing that you are not your thoughts you know i i keep having this this thing come to me um our perspective in life we see through a lens that is shrouded with all kinds of beliefs and ideas and ideologies, suggestions, things that have been put on us since we were little kids by society, by our parents, by our family, by our friends, by our educational system. So we go through life looking at our lives through this very particular lens. But when you begin to, if you're, for instance, this is why psychedelics are incredibly valuable tools because they obliterate these boundaries of belief and these, and meditation and a yoga practice and breath work because it, 
relieves you of having to view life through any particular lens of belief, of ideology, etc. And when you can do that and you start to look at things from this perspective of the observer, you get a much clearer perspective of what's happening. Free of any bias or preconceived notion of what's true and what's right. And then you just get to see and be a part of life as it's happening in the moment. And it's so crucial right now to be able to do that, to cultivate this skill. You can cultivate this skill. It's very, you can do it through very practical steps. Meditation is one of those tools that you can use. And, you know, that's really where we need to get to so that we're not caught up in this idea of, or this, caught up on this platform of righteousness and having to be seen as true and on the right side and all this shit, you know? Like, yeah. dude, we're in August. This pandemic started, or the lockdown, the fucking, the isolation, the quarantine. March, right? Started March 14th. Yeah, it's like six months now, about. We're six months in. It's 100 degrees outside. <laughs> People are not getting sick right now, man. I know. Hilarious. You know, I was thinking about, I had this thing the other day that came to me. I posted it. Stop seeing bodies, start seeing hearts. Yeah, I love that. We're not just these physical manifestations. When somebody comes up to you, there's a heart in there. Mm -hmm. There's a spirit in there. Mm -hmm. That's not just this skin with this color, with this face, with this costume on. Yeah. There's a heart in there. You know, that's somebody else that has a history, that has a present, that has a family, that has feelings, that has concerns, Mm. that has traumas, that has beautiful art forms inside them, and dreams. So, you know, and and I kind of had this realization when working out. Because we work out a good amount. And I started getting like really like identifying with myself physically. And I didn't particularly like it because I felt like it was taking me away from my spirit in a way. Like I want to be healthy and I want to be physically fit. But I also was like, oh, no, wait. I don't want to like completely, I I don't, not completely, but like, I don't want to be so identified with how I am physically, like what's going on internally. And I think that's something that social media does because it's all images. Mm -hmm. It's all just one mirror of the physical, Yeah, which I think has gotten cool for me because I started just posting these words So I was like, oh, this is cool. So it kind of takes me out, takes the physical me out of the equation. Like I'm not ever, I'm not not going to post imagery of myself ever or, you know, never look in the mirror. But it was, it was interesting. Like even being, I got pulled over today and it was my friend. (laughs) It ended up being my friend from high school. He's a police officer. He's a great guy. 
And, you know, I was uh, not not even to really talk about that. I was I I was listening to this Ram Dass thing and Ram Dass was talking about being pulled over. He said he was up in like Maine or he might have made this story up, (laughs) but he was like, I don't maybe he didn't. He was like, I got pulled over and he was in his spiritual like he had the spiritual phase had commenced. And he was like, you know, I was in my garb with like a beard on my trip (laughs) and the cop pulled me over and he was in his costume on his trip. (laughs) And we're just all on different trips, but we need to recognize the goodness in the community. Even, even if the world's population is 50 billion, Mm. we need to recognize that there's a web that connects us. Yeah. And we're all coming from the earth and going back into it. Mm. I don't know how we get there. It seems like we're trying to work it out through war and politicized notions. I I think it honestly is, man. It's about getting out of our ego. It's about letting go of our ideas and beliefs. mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've spent so much time, we've spent so much time preaching about what's true and what's right and what's acceptable. And we've created monsters. Mm-hmm. We've literally created monsters. God. Expand on that. If you want. I mean, from, let's take the, the the hypersexualization of Americans for one you've created this these scenarios where it's not okay to express yourself however that comes to you however that manifests in your being and so when you do that and you repress and you suppress and you you fight against whatever that thing is, now you're multiplying it in the darkness. You're creating this monster. You're, you're creating a thing inside of yourself, a chasm that is sucking energy. And it's creating, it's creating fucking serial killers. It's creating rapists. It's creating fucking monsters. It's creating mass murderers. It's creating sociopaths. It's creating psychopaths because when we repress and suppress neurotics, neurotics, mentally ill, it's creating monsters, creating drug addicts. So when you suppress and repress a human being and human aspects, human nature from the time that we're small children you're creating these monsters that wreak havoc on the planet that then we have to go and eradicate or we have to, you know, create entire uh, marketing campaigns against to thwart and racism. Again, another thing, you know, and it's like, what if we just allowed from the beginning, from the get go, you allow it and you don't shun it. And you say, when something comes up that's 
distasteful or ugly or something. It's just it it crosses the boundaries of you know because at the end of the day, what what are what's the what is the thing? What are the things that we cannot allow in our societies? And that book, Tribe, it does a beautiful job about this. Because really in a tribal setting, the only time that you were either killed or banished, if you hurt someone else in the tribe, you stole food from, or you did something... To, To hurt the tribe. Right. You did something to hurt the tribe. Right. So that's really at the end of the day, like that is the, that's kind of the, the, um, bar of recognition or the, the, the setting of when does something become unacceptable when it's going, when it's hurting the tribe, when it's, when you are inflicting pain or harm on another individual. Okay. But if you take that and you, you, wind the clock back to when we're children because children we do these things we hurt each other we fight each other we get into arguments we call each other names and that's part of the process but if you allow it as a child and you say and you use it as a learning experience to say you just called that person such and such and that really hurt their feelings it made that kid cry mm-hmm do you think that's acceptable? And the kid might say, well, they hurt me or they took my toy away or whatever it is. Say, well, that's not acceptable either. But can you guys learn to play together and to work together and cooperate? I mean, Gus, it's like when we were kids, you know, it was like constant chaos. Mm -hmm. But we've grown into these very compassionate adults. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we had fist fight. We had brawls that were bloody and, and fucking disastrous where the whole house would be coming down, yeah. you know. But our parents always made a point of bringing us back together saying, you know, one day you guys are going to be all that you have. Mm-hmm. And that transcends into your lifetime because then you start going, well, I don't want to hurt somebody else because I might have to depend on them oh, down yeah. the line. That brings me to an interesting thing. But do you know what I'm saying? Of course. And let me, let me, let me. Uh, I don't know if I got, if I articulated no, that let me, all the way through. Let me capitalize on right. that momentum Go. about this Marfa thing. Yeah. When I was living in Marfa, which I, which this book is about, something I realized really quick. And I wanted to write a guide, like a little guide how to survive in a small town. One thing you don't do is like piss off the people in the town. Yeah. Because you don't know if you're going to need to ask them for a job or if you're going to need food from them. That was something I realized really fast. Like if you go to a bar, like don't Mm. be a dick to the bartender. (laughs) Yeah. Because in a week, yes. you might be like, holy shit, this is the spot where I might have. And that was like a town of like a thousand people yeah. where everybody kind of knew each other. Yeah. And it was like, no, you got to like take care of each other. Yeah. And of course, you know, not everybody was cool or whatever. You know, I mean, things things happen. 
but there was a sense of community. Maybe it's just gotten too big, but like I said, no matter how big it gets, we mm-hmm. still have to recognize each person's humanity and see that there's a heart in there, yeah. a heart that might be struggling or a heart that might be flourishing or both. I've heard this thing on Instagram. I know you've seen it and it's everywhere. And I saw it the other day and I had this different kind of look at it, this thing of good vibes only. And I thought that's an interesting thing to say. Mm. Like, are we not allowed to recognize that there could possibly be bad vibes and we should talk it out? See, that's see, that's a challenge with social media. Like, because it kind of became this. Well, it did. It became this curated image where it's only supposed to show the light. But I feel like people now have become more aware of that and they're like oh, okay i want to show different sides of myself because it's been so linked to our personalities but i think that's something that kind of uh wasn't exactly helpful the good vibes only well not being able to show all the different colors of definitely who we are that's a massive issue with the american psychology with the american psyche is if it's not pretty and perfect and good vibes, oh God, I can't live. I can't live under that. I can't live under the idea of something being bad vibes or not good or uncomfortable. It's like, that's not life though. Life is not good vibes only. Sorry. Yeah. How do you feel about masculinity? Like masculinity of like not of this kind of cliche of not being able to express your feelings. Do you think that's really a thing? It's got to be. I mean, it is. It is a kind of thing, right? Do you feel like we're moving out of that or are we? I think we're definitely moving out of that. Um, Because that's a real, that's an issue too. Like men not being able to communicate like that they're vulnerable. Oh, for sure, man. But I think we're seeing a renaissance in very sensitive, very intuitive, very emotionally in touch men in the world. You know, I mean, I think that (laughs) masculinity, what is masculinity? Yeah, isn't that interesting? That's funny. Masculinity. Whatever that's supposed to be. There was some idea that masculinity was the warrior archetype, the Mm -hmm. don't show pain, don't show emotion. And that, that was, that never really worked for me. That never worked for me because I'm just too sensitive and emotional to begin with, you know, so I never really got that. I remember being on this on the bus uh, in high school at this California Bowl All Star Game, uh-huh. where it was the it was all the all high school All Star football players from California, and we flew down to Miami to play all the high school All Stars from Florida. Yeah, and I'll never forget listening to this dude's conversation. I won't say his name. Um, he was a super big recruit. And he's talking about how he was having a conversation with his mother. And he said, 
I never tell my mother I love you. I just don't say that. It's just not in my nature. And I was like... Good luck with that. I was like, wow, that's so... I don't even understand. I I didn't even really understand what that meant. It sounded so inauthentic to me. Well, it is. I'm like, how could that be part of your nature not to say I love you? You know, and that's coming from a 17, 18-year-old kid who has no fucking idea about anything, really. Well, that ends up being the person that needs more love than anybody exactly, else. It's right. like that Zen quote. You, you get you, you get touched in the middle of your chest and you fall to pieces. Yeah, yeah. You completely crumble in you, a bowl of tears. Yeah, you completely combust it's, it's, into tears. It's like that. I love that Zen quote you posted of if you... If you, if you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, that means you should probably meditate for an hour. Yeah, that's the best. <clears throat> well, I get, you know, we've gone like way far I'm so hopped up on B vitamins and coffee <laughs> right now. I'm so juiced I'm up. juiced on the alpha. My eye, one eye's pointing left, one eye's pointing right right now. <laughs> Well, how does this come back to deconstructing social media? Social media is a very myopic, very, very biased form of information. So once again, here we are. We're getting memes. We're getting clips. We're seeing snippets of life happening that entire belief systems are being built around, literally. And it's just creating more division. Well, to that point, it's so funny if we, because you and I are really interested in etymology, it seems. If you break up those two words, it's social media. It's not individual media. Yeah. It's, it was built to bring us all together. Yeah. See, I, that's why I think followers and following kind of fucked it up because it made it about me being more me, me being a leader me having more clout or you know me being more popular so then it's separate then again we fucking fractured the tribe <laughs> you're the leader i'm the fo- you know yeah, it's like yeah. that doesn't work yeah yeah it's very uh, we're we're just you know i think it's all about coming back to having compassion like you said stop seeing bodies start seeing hearts that's really powerful dude that's a very powerful switch in perspective you know because if you stop because that also comes back to that that again that's another pathway back to not taking everything so personally Because if you see someone as a heart and a spirit coming to you, you're less likely to take whatever they say personally and to be offended by it and to then put them in the other category Mm. where they're, they're an enemy. They are an affront to your belief system and who you are and what you believe, you know? Um, I don't know, man. I think that, at the end of the day, my life has, has become about obliterating, obliterating 
the boundaries and the belief systems that inhibit me from seeing the truth. Whatever, by whatever means necessary, I'm interested in tearing down the fucking walls that prevent me from seeing reality in all its glory. You know, it's so much more complex than what the screens would have you believe. You know, you if you look at social media, if you spend 10 minutes scrolling through Instagram, you will be left in the fetal position thinking the world is about to end. And God damn it, you know what the truth is? It might fucking end. The square spaceship might be coming down tomorrow for all we know. <laughs> it might. And the ectacondicons are coming. Well, that was what... Rinka. I mean, it's just like start vaporizing people with fucking No, or bring down flowers, beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Just float down flowers and everybody's just put in this psychedelic <laughs> trance and we all love each other. Why do the aliens have to be negative? Maybe they'll bring some honey elixir that just opens us up to love and we'll all just be dancing like elves. It's interesting. That sounds awesome, that. right? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because... And cars will stop working and we'll just be floating on carpets made of clouds. I mean, it sounds great. The age of love, dude. Come on, dude. The age of love. Where are you guys? Let's We're go. We're here, baby. Let's fucking go. I'm kind of waiting for the hole to open up in the roof of my room and oh, just see happening. see this thing there. Dude, I'm telling you what, man. The, the portals are opening. Well, you me. just got visited by extraterrestrials, which you'll just Maybe. have to keep us updated. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I'm going to keep that close to the chest yeah. right now, but. Yes, I did receive a very interesting phone call. That's good. And then last night, dude. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to bed. I usually, I'm in bed by 11. 5 p.m. 11, <laughs> 11, 11, at the latest. And my wife, she likes, she, you know, her brain is constantly working and she's building a massive business and she's kicking ass. So, you know, sometimes I come to bed before she does. And last night, I fell asleep, and I was totally asleep. It was pitch black in the room. And all of a sudden, it was like in my dream, there was this presence in the room, a benevolent presence in the room, and it was like they slammed a stack of textbooks on a table, and I heard like a... I woke up and the two dogs were in there and I thought that my wife was in there. She wasn't in there. The dogs were still asleep. And you know, Luna will bark at fucking yeah. a postman across the street. She'll, yeah. she'll bark at, at a, at a child walking across the street. Yeah. Like she's, she's in a, in a snap. She's into guard dog mode with a yeah. vicious bark. Yeah. She was asleep. So was Sonny. They're both asleep. There's no one in the room. And I'm I'm thinking maybe maybe my wife is like 
coming in or I come out and I look, she's just sitting in the living room. And I went to lay back down and I could just sense like, it was almost like someone was in the room with me. Mm. And they were benevolent. It was very benevolent. Mm. It was like a spirit of the light. And I was just like, what is going on? Interesting. (laughs) And I've had a lot of that lately, dude. A lot of very subtle interactions with unseen shit. I had a weird dream last night. I was in this like dingy gray hallway and the walls were kind of like covered in felt. And it was just this little gray hallway. And I was working out with like dumbbells with Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg. What? And Sheryl Sandberg, who's like the head of Facebook. Yeah, I'm in this weird little... What? Yeah, listen to this. I'm in this weird divey hallway. It's gray with like dumbbells, Bezos, Zuckerberg, Sandberg. And then there's like this other like person who's like the trainer, but they're not really involved at all. And I'm like working out and I'm like, and I say to them, I'm like, guys, there's almost like $200 trillion in this room. Why are we working out in here? (laughs) So then Bezos takes me. Oh, so I'm like, and there's like a little weight room like next to us. So I'm like, why are we working out in this hallway? Like you, you guys have so much money. Like, what are we doing? So then Bezos takes me into the little weight room. And it's just me and Bezos. <laughs> and Bezos like starts unveiling this this like conversation to me. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I don't really want people to like only know me for like the amount of money I have. Like, can you not like sit, talk about like the money, like how much money I have in front of me? You know, <laughs> you know, like we had this kind of like very short, dreamy heart to conversation heart. yeah yeah and then it kind of like so then i'm like oh okay all right i won't and then it kind of like spins out and then the weight room turns into this like weird banquet and there's tables and mickey rourke comes in oh my god and it's like a reception for an amazon movie that mickey rourke was in and mickey and it's just me and mickey now and he comes in and he's carrying these oscar trophies that are actually like champagne bottles. <laughs> and I don't know what he's saying to me, but he like hands me one of the champagne Oscars and it like falls and breaks and the champagne is everywhere. And then he like puts them on the table. And then that's the end of the dream. What a dream, dude. Yeah. That's so bizarre. It's really interesting. Dude. Fucking bizarre, right? The dreams have been intense lately well because i've been you know you see this thing all the time again (sighs) on social media of like you're like supposed to be a billionaire Mm. and it's like bezos how he made his first 20 billion (laughs) the new trillion dollar company these are the steps to take (laughs) yeah and it's These just like are the steps to take. And it's just like, wait, what? 
Now it's not even about being a millionaire. You have to be a billionaire to justify your life now. Mm. So it was interesting in the dream. He came to me and said, hey, dude, let's not. I don't want I don't, people to know. Let's not talk about that shit. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's very interesting, dude. Very interesting. Because you see that, right? What is this thing where you have to be a billionaire yeah. now? Everyone, everyone loves to post the shots of them at the at the extravagant, luxurious hotel bar or in the hotel suite that they got for the night or whatever it is, you know. And it's like, look at me, look at how I'm living right now. Yeah, and that's that's nice, that's exciting. I mean, I think that we should celebrate. Yeah, we should sell, but why can't you just enjoy that? But we can't identify with it. Go it and enjoy that. Don't fucking, why do you need to show the world that you got to be on the private jet? Well, I think it comes back to how this entire series started of, if you don't post it on Instagram, did it happen? Fuck yeah, it happened. Yep. There's a lot happening in life that doesn't need to be on there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well... What do you think, dude? Did we deconstruct this bitch? I'm blown. I don't know. We said a lot. We said a lot. So this episode, just to wrap up, this was the finale of Deconstructing Social Media, part three. And I'm sure we'll probably come back to this at some point. But this episode was really to examine the myopia of perspective via this very biased and very limited information channel that is social media, the prevalence, maybe even the overtaking of memes and mimetic philosophy via social media, politics, how that's influenced our political system and our political views, really how it's influenced just about how we view every aspect of modern day life, contemporary life and where do we how do we begin to dissolve this how do we begin to oh i guess before that the the ego driven psychology that social media has created and so how do we begin to dissolve that we begin to dissolve that when we let go of having to be right all the time Mm -hmm. when we Stop looking at the bodies and stop and start looking at the heart of the individual and the spirit within and having compassion as every human being is part of our global family and seeing if you can walk a mile in someone else's shoes, what that does to your perspective and shift your opinion of them if you're in disagreement with them what am i missing dude well i think continuing to be honest with how you feel not necessarily following the script not necessarily feeling culturally obligated to follow the politicized script Script. you're allowed to formulate your um it's so your own feelings and and opinions of how you feel Because at the end of the day, man, I mean, this country in particular is built on diversity. Mm -hmm. And it's built on 
our differences of opinion, and our species that thrives because we all have different perspectives. And we can achieve unimaginably great things because we are all coming from this different place and this different viewpoint to achieve this this singular goal. Which to me, it's at this stage for us, the next, the only sustainable next option is that we enter into the age of love. The age of love and compassion. Where we put down our fucking swords and we start to embrace one another and, and all of our magnificent differences. It's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. I think so, we're in the like teenage years of the age of Aquarius now. Well, it's interesting you said that because this dude, Paul Check, who I love, is like the Yoda of fucking fitness. He's, he's, a, he's unbelievable. Um, he said that humanity is in this very pubescent phase mm. of evolution. Mm-hmm. So that interesting. Is, that is the teeny. That's why we're in this like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Nah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. it's a very emotionally volatile period, mm-hmm. but we're going to get through a lot it. of growth. Yeah. A lot of growth is happening big time, man. You see that. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of hope, man. I see a lot of light out there. Yeah, me too. I see a lot of love. Uh, aside from all of the tragedy. And I think it's important. Is, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no. I mean, aside from all the tragedy that is obviously present, I do see a lot of hope and I see a lot of light. Yeah, and I think it's important if you're not witnessing the hope and the light, then you bring that to the yep. situation. You don't no have doubt. to. You don't have to wait for the hope and the light to come around the corner. You can be the hope and the light coming around the corner. That's it. And man. the love coming around the corner. If the love isn't walking into your sphere, you're obligated. And I'm gonna say obligated. You're obligated to bring the love. I agree, man. I love that, dude. I've always been that guy. When you look around the room. And they're waiting for somebody to raise their hand. You're very loving. You're like a big teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Amen. Well, Amen. what a contradiction. Amen. If I can be a physical manifestation of ultimate masculinity, but then bring this very feminine compassion and love through my spirit, in the archetype of the teddy bear. Yeah, in the archetype <laughs> of the teddy bear. What the fuck? That that just blasts open a room, dude. That blasts open a portal. Because everyone's expecting me to come in swinging the battle oh, axe. Oh, yeah, for sure. For with sure. my MAGA hat on. Yeah. And then there I go preaching love and compassion. Yeah. And yeah. acceptance. Namaste. Namaste, motherfuckers. All right, everybody. Well... Gus has been great. Yeah, thanks. That was a lot. We threw a lot down and a lot of different. Yeah. I mean, that that went a lot of different directions. Yeah. I'm not sure if it made sense. I think it did. No, it made sense. We meandered. Like I said in the beginning, I told you guys we were going to meander through this last part of deconstructing social media. But I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, everything we talked about was 
very much connected to viewing life through the lens of social media. And so let's break that shit down, dude. Social media is fun. It's a great tool. It's a great branding device. But at the end of the day, it's not what our life is about, man. When you step out into the real world, there are real flesh and blood human beings, real souls out there yearning for connection and to be acknowledged. And so let's do that. Let's remember that. Let's put that foot forward first. And there's people that food you're eating, people grew that. There's flesh and bone people that grew that. Mm. The lettuce and the the different um, the berries. chickens and the berries the and the eggs and the... There people there were people involved in that. Amen, dude. Can we have a more mindful connection with everything we do? That's what it's all about right there, baby. All right, y'all. Lots of love. Anything else, Gus? No, no, no. How to kill a white man. Lots of love. <laughs> Buy it, y'all. That's, that's a book. I highly recommend it. HTKWM.com. It's a it's a very very poignant observation of our current times especially for us millennial folks so keep meditating keep meditating listening to the ebb and flow check in with the ebb and flow it's a very important podcast it's the new frontier of spiritual intellectualism and philosophy and masculinity masculinity combined with femininity it is ebb has a lot of things coming up Mm. i'm just gonna let you guys in on that it's got a lot of interesting info coming up so just keep it keep the ears hot thanks brother well i appreciate all you guys i love you thank you so much for your support and for listening if you do really vibe with this show all i ask is that you share it with a friend Turn your friends and family on to it, y'all. Uh, that's about it for me. Lots of love to you guys. Until next time, this is the Ebb and Flow Podcast, and I'm your host, Evan Britton. Thank you again, Gus. Thank you. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>